Another episode of the Crispy Cast, episode 8, Balder. I'm your host, Chris Bernard, here with co-host... Jody Cameron. And just to be completely specific, uh, this is not your your regular Balder from Norse mythology. It is the God of War take on Balder from Norse, Norse mythology. <laughs> he was a lot more interesting than I originally thought. I thought he was just like some, you know, wah-wah mama's boy... I feel like the the more you dive into Balder and his his actual roots from Norse mythology, and then contrast and compare it to the character as presented in the uh, the, the Sony PlayStation God of War game, a wider appreciation of the depth of the character and the changes that they made to both how he's presented and his origin, the idea that he's not just a mama's boy, the the blessing she bestowed upon him, which is. Uh, basically invulnerability is actually a curse and that's something that creates his suffering yeah because it uh, numbed his taste smell and touch can you imagine living without being able to not just feel pain but not being able to feel any pleasure he still has his emotional depth but it's he's completely blunted from a physical pleasure perspective so i mean he goes crazy it drives him mad well i feel that exact purpose is why he ended up working with Odin because initially he turned his back on his mother who refused to break the spell. And in doing so, he went with his only option. I work with my dad who's the most powerful and hopefully he'll be able to like fix it. And apparently, at the, well at the time, Odin is corrupted uh, with his visions of Ragnarok and preventing it. And basically, part of that corrupts and twists Baldur a little more. And actually, he thought Kratos was the the last frost giant. We, we should say that if, if you're not familiar with Norse mythology or the God of War game, we're, we're going to talk about yeah some of the kind of the nuts and bolts of the story. The blessing bestowed upon Baldur by his mother to be unkillable is, at least in the original version of the story from Norse mythology, because there is a dream. Uh, uh, they dream that he will die the blessing or curse that she's given him has uh, has a chink in the armor. Just like Achilles had his heel, Balder can be harmed. And uh, I believe it's the same in the, in the Norse myth as it is in God of War, that, that mistletoe is his kryptonite, as it were. I believe being invulnerable removes not just any caution he has, but any empathy. Yeah, he, he really starts to, to kind of exemplify the the mannerisms of of a crazy person at least in the god of war story he, he really comes off as to me uh, someone who is at least mildly psychotic well yeah but toying with his enemies is probably the only version of fun he could have right because he could see it and maybe find joy from that but not he can't actually feel you know Baldur's endlessly trying to please his father to get this curse lifted ultimately failing and then bringing in uh, his two nephews. You remind me at this point by introducing those two characters of the interplay between the family members in this Norse pantheon uh, that it's very similar like you said even before we started recording today that when you look at like the Greek gods 
or, or the Norse gods, uh, the comparison is easy to make because they're just the really big screwed up families, right? There's lots of infighting and incest and, and, and intrigue. You can tell that that's one of Baldur's biggest beefs is that he is part of the most completely dysfunctional family. He calls the, the nephews idiots. He's, he's not happy with his mother, would love to murder her. He's not happy with his father. He, he's, he's caught. He's caught in between them. Yeah, he, he's really propelled on this kind of collision course with destiny, whether he likes it or not. I think you're right. Maybe what little pleasure he does get from existence is in the toying with his adversaries. Uh, one thing I never never truly understood about the character was at some point they go to Helheim and then still, once he finally gets, you know, his, he's cured, he can feel everything again. Kratos gives him a choice. Make up with your mother or die. Well, and you <laughs> you, you bring up the point that uh, Baldur is a very conflicted character. He has an opportunity to kill his mother and doesn't, and then curses himself ever after as a coward. And, like, this is far previous to the, the confrontation you're suggesting. When offered the opportunity to kill her in that moment, where she clearly is in agreement with the action as the most right and just, it's still not the one he takes. And what is the reason there? Well, uh, Kratos grabs him, and he says the, the cycle of parents killing... That's right. Is, ...ends here, the, and he breaks his neck. <laughs> so that, that's, like, the famous Kratos quote from like even god of war 2 yeah the cycle must end so he he's not going to stand for it yeah uh, and bald even says what business is this is yours why don't you just walk away and he took it as atreus it was a teachable moment for his son that's the only reason why he did it his son needed to see because he's trying to prove them that gods ain't ain't nothing even though they're gods <laughs> and they something <laughs> and that's 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 been the purpose of kratos since his since his origin the reason he's able to defeat Baldur in this second or third confrontation where Freya offers herself for redemption uh, through death is that Atreus gets involved. And, and, and what does he have? Uh, he's got mistletoe. So there's the whole original defeat of Baldur by Loki is that Loki tricks him into, into being wounded with mistletoe. And then the blessing or curse is lifted. He can feel pain and pleasure. And then he can also be vanquished. And in God of War, Atreus, who could very well have been called Loki by his mother, the, the Jotun, the last of the frost giants, Fae, he is struck by Baldur, but he's got a mistletoe. I believe he's got a shaft of mistletoe in his, uh, in his quiver. Is that, is that it's how on, it is? It's on his uh, strap because it broke. Right. They use it to mend it. And so in that instant where he is is part of the fray and Balder strikes him, Balder becomes vulnerable. You would have thought, though, that after getting all that back and being a god and already basically immortal, that even all that time had passed, it wouldn't have meant so much to him. Just like any human, these gods, when they have a singular focus that defines them, it also blinds them. It is what compels them to live it is their only reason for existing it's hard to give that up the moment he becomes vulnerable he's overwhelmed with pain he's overwhelmed with feeling he's almost euphoric with the breaking of the curse and the blessing so i think that in that moment where he's feeling so much the one thing that he has felt 
that need for revenge, that it becomes amplified, like a burning light. And he, the God of light becomes completely consumed with, with what is the light at the end of his tunnel, which is her, which is her demise. Now for my favorite part of some of our episodes, my prediction for the game to be coming out this year. Oh, that's right, because Ragnarok has begun with the, with the death of Baldur. Yes. All right, so this is what I'm hoping will happen. So this is predictions for the sequel. This is predictions for God of War Ragnarok. What I'm hoping it's going to happen is either Thor gets injured and is unable to fight uh, the serpent, and that they basically capture Atreus and go... Okay, Kratos, you've killed all the Greek gods, you killed a nice chunk of us, you go stop, you prevent Ragnarok, or your kid gets it. Oh, interesting. And then maybe have like a Thor-Kratos team up, that'd be cool. That would be cool. What's most likely going to happen is Kratos is like, I got a counteroffer, I'm going to kill all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Thor, loving Kratos. (laughs) Loving Kratos. So one thing I can say that I found interesting about the portrayal of Baldur in the God of War game is that he is he is singularly difficult. Like he's an upset and like he's like an enraged creature. He is for the hunt, he is for the kill. The the Norse Balder was actually a gentle soul. His his character composition, his makeup was one of kindness. And what's interesting is that in the God of War game, that kindness is gone. Like he's clearly he's beyond that. He's lost it. That kindness, or at least the notion of kindness, seems to be a part of Faye's character that she's passed to Atreus. I wonder, though, if we'll see, like, actual Loki in the new one. Because it's like Loki, in original, like, Norse mythology, would have been present, like, everyone else in the games. And maybe Atreus is actually uh, a conduit for Loki because he is weakened by his Greek and Nordic roots colliding. I think it's completely clear and really sensible that because Atreus is the child of a frost giant, that he is truly Loki, and that this is their authentic and uh, convenient way of establishing the tie between the Greek pantheon and the, the Norse gods, is that instead of having Odin father or be the adoptive father of a frost giant child, that he comes from the union of Kratos and Fey. And I think it's a brilliant way to tie them together. And if I have any prediction for the next game, it is that he will manifest as Loki in some very real way. And I wonder if they're going to keep jumping pantheons because another thing someone pointed out was that uh, Tyr, one of the other gods, was able to uh, find a breach between the other pantheon worlds. So apparently how Kratos even ended up over there was he was dragged by wolves uh, and was like literally fetched. <laughs> All of these families have a god of war. We're going to see another family. Because I've seen their, they have uh, Celtic and I've seen Egyptian. I want to see the Hindu gods get in on it. But you know what? <laughs> Kratos is like, how many of you are? <laughs> Come on, man. He's like, I should be getting paid for this. <laughs> no question. Egypt would be a trip. It would be a total trip. Uh, speaking of trips, if you wanted to go on a trip and find more about Crispy Comics and Chris's uh, other endeavors on the internet, how would how would we get to how would we trip to that? Oh, that's an easy one. 
you go to Instagram and you put in Chris KRS dot B comics. That's the same for my Facebook page. And also, if any of our listeners are in the Cape Breton area at the end of September. Oh, that's right. The early announcement is here. I will be at CaperCon. And my partner in crime, Jody, will be accompanying me. That's CaperCon, September 2022. Thanks for listening. Maybe someday you'll thank me for watching, too. I don't know.